Well, good morning. It's a delight to open God's word with you this morning. We're continuing our study in the Gospel of Mark, and this is, uh, we've gotten to almost the end of Mark 4 here. It's taken us about 10 weeks to get to this point. I trust that it has been an encouraging study thus far for you as you've uh, walked through the scriptures. I don't think there's anything better a Christian can study than one of the four Gospels, being able to be freshly acquainted with who our Savior is, the work and life and ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. Last week, we looked at the parable of the sower and of the seed. You see that in Mark 4, verses 1 through 20. And as a reminder, we want to look at what the central theme was of that parable. We noted that the main point that Christ was seeking to drive home to his followers is that the kingdom of God and the heart of a believer, the heart of a believer that has been, that, that heart being prepared by God, bears miraculous fruit. Supernatural fruit. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. A fruit that can only be born by the blessing of God. And we thank God for working in our hearts for preparing our hearts and then planting the good word, the seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We also noted the context of Mark 4, 1 through 20 is hearing. Notice with me, hearing the word of God, Christ calling those in verse 3, listen to his teaching. In many ways, calling us this morning, listen to the word of God. In verse 9, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In verse 12, quoting from Isaiah 6, they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand. Verse 15, when they hear. Verse 16, when they hear the word. Verse 18, those who hear the word. Finally, verse 20. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. Thirtyfold, sixtyfold, a hundredfold. We ask the question, how is your hearing? We ask it again this morning. How's your hearing this morning? Is your heart ready to hear the word of God? This is the word of God that we're studying. This is not, this is not some book I picked off the shelf this morning. This is the word of God. Are we ready to hear it? What is to be the, what is to be the mark of what we hear? Well, of course, it's to be the word of God. That's what we are to hear. But what is to be the mark? Well, the seed is the word of God. We're to hear the truth. The word of God is true. We're to hear the truth and nothing but the truth. And as the phrase goes, so help us God. The truth is the word of God. And the word of God is true. Proverbs 30, verse 5. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Psalm 33, verse 4. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. Psalm 119, 160. The the sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. John 17, 17. Christ saying, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. James 1.18, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Christ calling us to hear the word of truth. The truth about himself. The truth of the gospel. 
And this request isn't limited to the gospel of Mark. This phrase, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, is used throughout the gospels. In fact, it's been noted, it's the second most popular phrase of Christ. Second only to truly, truly. Matthew eleven fifteen, Matthew thirteen nine, Matthew thirteen forty three, Luke eight eight, Luke fourteen thirty five. Other areas in the Gospels, where Christ says, "He who has ears to hear, let him hear." How's your hearing this morning? The centrality of the Christian life is to be about truth. And what is truth? Truth is ultimate reality. Christians are to live their lives each day under the reality of the wonder and of the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The truth of Christ is to drive away a Christian thinks and the way he acts, his motives and his attitudes, his words, his ministry, his family life, his business. Truth is what is to drive the Christian life. All of the Christian life is to be lived out in the light of the truth of God's word. We as Christians are simply to be conduits of the truth. We're to leave truth footprints, if you like it that way, as we walk. As we pass through a room, there should be a truth aroma lingering. Why? Why is that? Because the truth of God and his love for us It is what has made all the difference. It's what took us from death to life. It's what took us from darkness to light. It's what will take us from this life to the next. And the truth of what we are spending our time on this morning is what we will spend eternity singing his praises about. So look at your text this morning. Look at it. Verse 21. With this understanding in mind of the word being the seed, the word being truth, you see in your Bibles there, probably broken up already for you, verses 21 through 25 is a section, 26 through 29 is a section, and 30 through 34 is a section, and we'll take them in that order. Section number one, 21 through 25, if you're taking notes, you might entitle it, The Truth is to Shine. The truth is to shine. Let me read that text. And as he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? Now I'll come back to this in a minute, but notice lamp, basket, bed, and stand. Verse 22, for nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. What is this lamp? Well, a lamp back at that time was a a little clay, a little terracotta lamp, small, fit in the palm of your hand, a bit of oil in it, a wick. They would light it. They would put it in a place, a prominent place in the house in order to give light to the room. Well, what is this basket? Well, a basket was a a large basket, a bushel, as they might call it. And you would put grain in it or you put flour in it. It had no holes in it, no way for light to escape. 
And this bed, well, a bed isn't the way we think of a bed that's raised up off the ground. Most of the time when they slept on a bed, it was more than, nothing more than just a mat laying on the ground. And then you have this stand or a lampstand, your Bible might say, a prominent place, a projecting shelf in the house. And that shelf was in a place that was central to the house. And they would light this lamp and they would put it on that shelf to give light to the whole room. What's the point? The point is, it's absurd to have a light and then hide the light. To light that lamp and then to cover it or to put it underneath something so that it cannot do anything. In the economy of God, the God who said, let there be light, and there was light in a previous dark and formless earth, the God who said, let there be light in your soul, and in that instant you move from darkness to light, from death to light, from unsaved to saved, from hell to heaven, in the economy of God, it is absurd to take the light of the word of God and hide it. The truth of Jesus Christ is not to be hidden. It's as if it was, it's as absurd as if you took a light and put it underneath something and hid that light. At one point in our life, the kingdom of God was hidden from us. It was a secret. But God, out of his love for you, had that secret hidden away for the appointed time when he would make it known to you. You see that in the text there. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything a secret except to come to life. And now as believers in Christ, it is our responsibility to keep revealing that truth. That light being the truth of Jesus Christ, us as the lamp to reflect it. We aren't to be, to, to be dead in streets, as it were, for the truth of God's word. We're to be conduits of the truth. To shine forth as light in a dark world, Philippians 2.15. To proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light, 1 Peter 2, 9. To be the light of the world, Matthew 5. To let our light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to our Father in heaven, Matthew 5, 16. That's the calling of the Christian life in many ways, is to be the conduit of the truth that's come into our life. You might think of it this way, Think about the time you, you may have gathered your family together or maybe some close friends and you whispered to them, it's so-and-so's birthday coming up. Don't tell them. I'm going to have a surprise birthday. There's a secret, right? But it's a secret for the purpose of at the right time being made known. Or maybe you go to buy that special birthday present or that special Christmas present and you hide it away. And you don't do what my brother and I used to do, which was whisper together on Christmas Eve and say, I'll tell you what, you got me if you, if you tell me what I got you. You know? No, you hide it away for just the right time so you could bring it out and display it for all its glory. And in many ways this morning, we're sitting here together as a, as a secret group, if you will, as a group together hearing the secret of the wonder of Christ. But it's not to remain in this room. It's to be taken from here and proclaimed from the highest mountain and from the deepest sea. The wonder and majesty of Christ for us. The 
Notice the lamp. The lamp first being Christ and now us proclaiming Christ. It's just sitting on the lampstand. It didn't say, now, now don't light me until I get my master's degree in evangelism. Although that might be a good thing. Or don't light me until I memorize all the right verses. Or don't light me until I can answer all the apologetic questions from other religions. Although those, all those things might be good, it simply is sitting there doing its job of proclaiming what has come in. The light of Jesus Christ. We have Christ in our hearts. That is all you need. If you are the, the newest believer to the most mature believer, you have Christ. He is most glorious. He is most beautiful. He is the light. We are to simply, as the little song says, let him shine. And let him shine in how you speak to another person. Let him shine in how, you, in how you use your pen. Let him shine in what you would post on social media. Let him shine with your art brush or your musical instrument. Shine for the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. But notice the warning in verse 24. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, or let's put it this way, with the attitude in which you receive the good word of Jesus Christ, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And notice, from the one who has not, or we could say, from the one who thinks he has, even what he has will be taken away. What's your attitude to the truth this morning? As, as, as we've probably all said before, you know, the word of God just isn't too meaningful to me right now. It's kind of dry. I'm going, yeah, I'm going to the word, but I'm, I'm not getting much out of it. You know, this verse stands in our face and proclaims, is the word of God getting much out of us? Or are we expecting something out of the word of God we're not willing to give it to it? It's the way it works. Think of yourself, the Christian life as a reservoir, maybe a lake. Water flows out of that lake, but only if water flows in. You want to let more water out for the glory of Jesus Christ? Let more water in. Let truth in with the attitude that you would, you would take in this truth from here this morning, from your private time in the Word, from a sermon in the car, whatever it may be, bring truth as you can from the Word of God into your life and you'll have a greater understanding of it. You'll have a greater delight in it. It'll be more glorious. It'll be more wonderful. You want to get the warm and fuzzies about the Word of God? Give yourself to the Word of God. So oftentimes we want it the, the backwards way, don't we? This is the word of God. It, it will not return void. It will not disappoint. In fact, it comes into our lives and multiplies, as we'll see here in a moment. Charles Spurgeon, speaking of John Bunyan, said, if you cut him, he'd bleed scripture. The word of God was so saturated into his life, he couldn't help but be moved by it, to the point that Spurgeon said, he doesn't bleed blood, he bleeds scripture. It saturated him. May we be like that as well. Notice verse 25. What you don't have, but think you have, will be taken away. 
Don't give yourself to the word, you won't get anything. Give yourself to the word, you'll get abundantly more. The truth is to shine. Verse 26 through 29, if you're keeping notes, the truth is to be cast out. The truth is to be cast out. Notice there, the kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. It's important that we note this passage of scripture. This is the only place in the gospels that this parable is mentioned, 26 through 29. And it ties itself closely to Mark 4, 1 through 20, the parable of the sower and the seed. We would note that Christ is the one who scatters the seed. Christ is the one that gathers in the harvest. And in the middle of that spreading and gathering is a supernatural work that takes place. The seed grows. The gospel, the word of God, comes into our hearts. The truth comes into our hearts. And it does a miraculous supernatural growing work. There's no intervention at all. No, no human intervention at all. That's why Mark says here, the earth produces by itself, or the Greek word basically meaning automatically. But now, in imitation of Christ, we're the sower, we're the man that's displayed here. Notice, notice what this man does. A man in that day would, who, who would be scattering seed would, would probably have worn some sort of bag over his shoulder, full of seed, walking the fields and casting it as far and as wide as possible. It, it really wasn't a, a special talent or ability to do this. You, know, you didn't have to watch your wrist action or your elbow action. You're literally just taking handfuls of seed and you're broadcasting it across the field. And he would do so because he knew that the seed was what was going to do the work of growing, not him as the sower. He was just simply to cast it out. And he's not just casting out anything. He's casting out truth. Truth is to be what is cast out, nothing else. The true gospel of Jesus Christ is what we're to cast out, nothing else. The only seed that's going to bring forth fruit is the seed of the word of God. And notice the ground. The ground is prepared. This is the good soil mentioned as the, as the fourth type there in Mark 4, 1 through 20. It's the good soil prepared by the Holy Spirit, prepared by God. And he's simply casting it. Look at verse 27. He sleeps. Notice the, slow, the sower is faithful to his work. We are to be faithful to our work. And what does he do? He goes to sleep. He simply commits the work of growing of that seed growing to God. He knows whose responsibility it is. It's not his. He's to be faithful to proclaim it. God is the one who does the work of producing fruit. He simply puts his trust in God. That's what we're called to do this morning. Cast the good word out, put the trust in God to bring forth fruit. And 28, the earth produces by itself. The work of the seed is God's work. It's going to do the work supernaturally. There's so much application for here, for us here this morning, because no individual 
can cause the seed of God's word in the heart of an individual to grow. I cannot make it grow in my children's life. Now, I'm to cast it into their life. But whether or not it grows and brings forth fruit, that's God's work. I'm to cast the word, wash my wife in the water of the word. But the growing, that's God's work. I'm to cast it faithfully to the people I come in contact with. I'm to cast it into your life. You're to cast it into mine. But whether or not it grows is God's work. Our job is to cast the good seed, the truth. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 11. I planted, Paul speaking, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. John 3, 5 through 8, Jesus answered, speaking to Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Notice, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The truth of Jesus Christ does a supernatural work in the heart of an individual. Our job is to cast the good seed. And why do we cast the good seed? Because as Christians that believe in Jesus Christ, we know that the day is coming when the harvest will be reaped. You see that there at the end of verse 29. Because the harvest has come. That day is coming. If you under the sound of my voice hear what I'm saying and you think, This is craziness what he's talking about. I plead with you to understand the day is coming where you will have to answer before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. To realize that unless your sin was laid upon Christ by God's grace, that day of judgment will not be one that you would want to ever remember and yet you will always remember it. Number three, the truth grows, verses 30 through 34. This parable of the mustard seed, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the, ground, on the earth. Yet when it's sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nest in its seed. The mustard seed is proverbial, it's not literal. The mustard seed is a very tiny seed, about the size of a a grain of sand, but it's not the smallest seed by any stretch of the imagination. What Christ is simply saying here is not as well that this seed is going to grow into the largest tree within the garden. That's not the case either. The bush that comes from a tiny seed, the mustard seed, grows to be about 8 to 12 feet tall. So what is he saying? Well, the attention is to be directed upon the contrast, meaning something so tiny can produce something so big in reference to how small that it began. We think of Christ. Christ came as a small babe, insignificant, unnoticed by most, and yet his influence and impact is growing and has grown proportionally in such a way that is incalculable. The birds, the kingdom of God growing to such a sense that now we are within the shade, as it were, of the kingdom of God. 
William Lane, in his commentary on the Gospel of Mark, says, Though insignificant in its beginning, the matured result is the provision of strength and protection for those who come within its shade. The kingdom of God, inaugurated by Christ, brought into the kingdom, we are brought then into the kingdom through Christ, and has now expanded, that kingdom has now expanded beyond our ability to calculate. And we are part of that kingdom. We're, we're not at the beginning of the kingdom. We're not at the end of the kingdom. We're standing in a long historical timeline of the kingdom. And we are these birds that have been housed by the kingdom of God. And we can say as Christians this morning, because of the divine blessing on us through Christ, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in him who I trust, Psalm 91, 1 through 2. Let's not be naive this morning. Let's not be naive and forget that we're standing on that historical timeline of the kingdom of God. May May we do our part to proclaim the truth, the wonder of the kingdom of Christ in order that 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 timeline would reflect one day upon our faithfulness. We don't know when Christ may return. But when he does, may, he be able, may, may those who go after us be able to reflect upon the time we have here in this timeline and say they were faithful to the truth. They proclaimed the truth well. They did their job. They faithfully cast it out. Finally, look at verse 33 and 34 in closing. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Christ speaking the word, again, there it is, to them. The word of God is is life-changing, is life-giving, this, this word of God is packed with, with universe-creating power for his glory. Let's not this week allow this word to grow dusty on the shelf. Let's not think much more past this week. Let's just be faithful this week with this word. Let's not let the centrality of the word, the word that became flesh and dwelt among us, Christ, lose its place in this word. Let's proclaim in faith the word, trusting him to do supernaturally what man considers impossible, but with our God, nothing is impossible. Let us trust the Holy Spirit to give us understanding as we are able to hear the word. Consider the kindness, consider this morning the kindness of Christ to put the truth of the kingdom in parables. We so often think of that as being laid out in parables for those who did not believe, which is why it was laid out as well. But it's also laid out for us this morning that we might have a physical manifestation of a spiritual reality to be able to understand the glory of the kingdom. What grace is found in these parables? What grace is ours this morning? And may we proclaim that grace well this coming week. Let's pray. Father, what glory we see in the gospel. What glory we see in the kingdom of God. You have planted within us the good seed of Jesus Christ. And we see, Father, slowly but steadily a supernatural work being done, a fruit being brought forth for your glory.
And as that fruit comes in, Father, we want to be about the business of of casting it out, casting the good seed, casting the truth, being a conduit for Christ. We thank you, Father, that there is amazing grace for us in this area. And as we turn our eyes to the truth, the wonder of Christ for us again, we're enabled to then cast it well, to shine that light into a dark world, into the dark recesses of our own hearts. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for drawing us into this kingdom, for covering us, for protecting us, for keeping us for eternity. May we sing your praise well this week to others that are around us, to our families, to our own hearts. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen.